Army veteran Tiffany Pilgrim is a futurist founder, CEO, and Barbadian American. Tiffany is a public relations executive, a classically trained actress, has trained in fine arts and design, and is a certified Adobe Visual Design Specialist who, at the age of 16, moved with her family from Barbados to bustling New York City. Not long after moving, she enlisted in the U.S. Army and became a motor transport operator. After the Army, she shifted her focus, concentrating on a new career while perfecting her communications talents at a London-based global social media agency. During her time there, Ms. Pilgrim managed top-tier billion-dollar brands such as T-Mobile and Dazen, an international sports streaming platform. Before founding Corlini PR, she moved into the TV and entertainment business as a producer and communications expert, working with celebrities and Fortune 500 companies such as Showtime, CBS, and Paramount, formerly Viacom, CBS, among others. Tiffany Pilgrim with Corlini PR is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Have you tried Navy Federal's car buying experience? I highly recommend it. You won't have a better car buying experience. Check them out at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. Hey, today we're talking with Army veteran Tiffany Pilgrim, founder and CEO of Corlini PR. Tiffany's had some phenomenal success in, in the social media and PR world, done some great things. We're looking forward to talking about that. Before we do, take us back, Tiffany, and tell us what you did in the Army. Thanks, you, um, Joel. Well, um, I served in the U.S. Army. I was a mortar transport operator. So essentially, that's like a military truck driver. So I, uh-huh. I operated military vehicles, like five-ton trucks, Humvees, uh, in a motor, motor pool, et cetera. And yeah, pretty much. And back up a little bit before that, your family actually immigrated from Barbados. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. I left at 16. Um, I moved with my family from Barbados to New York City. And like right after high school in New York, I joined the U.S. Army at a very young age. Yeah. And um, I always love to hear a little bit about uh, the immigrant story since, you know, America is based off immigrants. Um, What kind of light can you shed on that as far as that experience? I mean, 16 is a pretty tough age to be not only moving, but also changing countries and going from a from an island in the Caribbean uh, to New York City. Right. So. What was, what was that like? Well, you know, when I was in Barbados at 16, I was still in secondary school. Uh-huh. So like secondary school is equivalent to high school in the U.S. Um, because Barbados um, has a British education system. system. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I moved to New York in the middle of secondary school, I had to complete um, high school in New York. So the challenge of finding a new high school and transferring those credits from Barbados. Um, so we were able to find a high school in Brooklyn, New York. And basically I was able to start in, a, in the 11th grade. Um, so those credits kind of um, equated to the U S 11th grade system. Mm-hmm. And uh, right after high school, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I come from a military family. Uh, I have family who lived in uh, New York and 
the U.S. for many years, mm-hmm. um, and they really inspired me to join the army. And when I joined the army, that was the start of my journey. Awesome. So, um, after the army, you're getting out of the army. Were you prepared for transition? What was transition like for you coming out of the army? Well, it was a bittersweet moment, you know, transitioning out of the army um, at such a young age as well in my 20s and moving back to Brooklyn, New York, not knowing uh, what my uh, career goals were, what my interests were. And it took me a while to really figure it out. Um, I had a roller coaster ride when I returned back to New York City. Of course, I enrolled in uh, college. Um, studying, I first got started studying health science because I thought I was going to become a nurse, mm-hmm. RN. And mm-hmm. then I quickly looked ahead in the future and told myself, I don't see myself in the hospital being stressed out, you know, waking up early because that's not my um, personality. Mm-hmm. I had to really go back to my roots. Uh, when I was very young in Barbados, I was very involved in the arts and writing. And a lot of people thought I would go into journalism um, when I got older. And I think it kind of worked out as well, um, landing in media um, eventually, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, in public relations, there is a communications aspect right in. Um, so I basically um, had to find a, a way where I can break into media because I had an interest in, in entertainment in Hollywood. And I actually got mentorship from this program called ACP, which is called American Corporate Partners. Yeah. And they are based in New York City in Manhattan. And yeah. I was able to be paired with a corporate mentor, an executive leader in uh, Showtime at that time. And Showtime is a CBS company. Uh-huh. And um, that was one long year um, of mentorship that really helped me to get some insight about the different media careers that I would want to do. Um, and it really um, turned out to be something that I enjoyed. And I basically had a short stint in Hollywood. Um, in my free time, I also um, help other veterans to break into media and get them careers in these media companies through the nonprofit that I help run called Veterans in Media and Entertainment. Mm-hmm. We call it EME. And I find much joy these days helping other veterans get into media. And, you know, since then, I've actually took a turn in my career interest since the pandemic in technology. So that is where I'm at right now. Um, I was able to bring my communications experience from media and I actually had a background technology as well. And I told myself I wanted to merge and help other tech companies with their messaging and getting their product messaging out to the public in the market and helping, um, other consume their consumers understand their product benefits and the product features, um, and I am so excited to help budding startups, tech startups, to really attract their um, audiences through communications and technology. And I call that tech PR, technology, public relations, huh. which is why 
I founded um, Corlini PR, my tech PR firm. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention uh, ACP American Corporate Partners. Like when I first retired, I had heard about ACP and although I already had a job that I, I didn't, I wasn't really looking for a job, but I'm like, I want to see what this ACP thing's like. I actually had a mentor, uh, for, she was an executive from MasterCard, you know, the credit card company. And yeah. we talked, you know, once every week or so, um, all the time. And it was, it was a very good experience. And so you're, you're in, and it was free, you know, and there was this very high quality, high quality executives in the civilian sector that just want to talk to veterans and help them out. And your, your experience with your ACP advisor actually opened up a few doors and got you, got you started really, which is not necessarily about really the, the purpose or intent. It's not necessarily to get you a job um, through your ACP mentor, but a lot of times that can happen. And so in your case that did. Yes. Um, I would say, yes, it did. And also partly um, I had prior, I had knew some contacts within the CBS company itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the person is no longer there right now. They, I think they started their own businesses too. <laughs> um, and that's interesting. So um, I had new uh, that contact actually in the CBS company um, before I got with my Showtime mentor mm-hmm. and with ACP. So when I actually got men, um, paired with my ACP mentor, I told them, Hey, do you know X, Y, Z? Yeah, I know him. Oh. And it just was like that. Right. Um, so, but it, it was just an interesting story how that worked out. Like um, we had mutual connections in common as well. Yeah, uh, she did for me. My mentor was really give me insight into her marketing experience, and it's so interesting because I think her role is working with emerging platform technologies at that time. Like how many years ago was that? So basically, she helps introduce and market um, these emerging technologies such as VR um, into the Showtime company. And I think they were mm-hmm. kind of experimenting with that at the time. So it's, right now we're in this climate of technology. And I think that's pretty interesting to have had mentorship from her as well. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. All right. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're getting out soon, or if you've been thinking about a career change, now's a great time to get into coding. Coding is a great field for veterans. You can start your new career in tech with Sabio a coding bootcamp and developer community. Since 2013, Sabio has helped so many veterans become successful software engineers. It's one of the reasons they've been voted best coding bootcamp by Course Report five years in a row. In just 17 weeks, Sabio teaches you the skills you need to start a real high-paying tech job online and from the comfort of your own home. You'll graduate with real-life experience and hoping you find a job as part of the program. Their alumni are working at some of the most innovative companies all over the world, like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Activision. Plus, Sabio is extremely affordable. They offer a variety of scholarships to help with tuition, and you can enroll with your VA benefits. Find your next great career opportunity with Sabio. Visit sabio.la slash on the move to learn how you can use your VA benefits to enroll at Sabio. Sabio.la slash on the move. Don't wait. Go to sabio.la slash on the move today to learn more. When you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. We've bought a lot of cars over the years, and I can tell you, Navy Federal's car ban experience is the best experience I've had. 
They've created a fully loaded car buying experience. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all from one convenient place. They have pre-approval. It's good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you shop. They offer great auto loan rates. You can shop for new and used cars with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, SiriusXM, and more. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. All right, back talking with Army veteran Tiffany Pilgrim, founder and CEO of Corlini PR. So, Tiffany, we were talking about you have a lot of experience in uh, user experience design. And um, I had a design class you know, a few years ago. I was working on my master's. And this whole user experience thing was discussed and talked about a lot. And I, it kind of opened my eyes. Like, as a consumer, we're always dealing with the user experience. Like, we're the, we are the user and we're the ones experiencing this painful app or this painful website process or whatever. But we don't realize there's actually people that design those user experiences. And when one really, every once in a while, we come across one that was just, is just a pleasant user experience. And that doesn't happen by accident. So you, I haven't, I don't know if I've ever talked with anybody that actually has a lot of experience in user experience design. So I really want to hear, first of all, explain to us what somebody in, I believe you call it UX in user experience does and, and what that's like. So UX also known as user experience is basically um, a field where a UX practitioner spots problems on technology products, digital products, websites, and solve those problems. Um, they do that by a number of methods, such as using human factors, psychology methods to really um, understand human beings who use consumer products. So how we might want to understand our consumers, our users who use these products, we would do usability studies such as testing uh, prototypes, building prototypes, as well as conducting UX research as well in the, in the beginning where we sit down and have moderated or unmoderated um, interviews with potential users of products and really get to understand what is their existing frustrations with using a particular, particular product and understanding their everyday um, habits as well, and really getting into how we might gain some insights from those um, interviews and then compiling that data and really um, coming up with a report on how we can better um, build a product and implement those new um, tweaks and iterations. So we're always iterating on products, you know, um, and it's very important especially for businesses who serve customers because businesses uh, ultimately need to understand their customers. And as UX professionals, we use empathy to really empathize with consumers to get into their world and advocate for the user um, in front of stakeholders, basically. And, um, and ultimately businesses uh, rely on user experience professionals because they need to be able to 
improve their products so that they can actually, you know, increase their revenue, um, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, this is, you know, honestly, the function of having a UX professional around. Right. Uh, once you understand your user, you're able to build a better business. Yeah. And understanding the user, and it's not like, correct me if I'm wrong, this isn't like asking the users to fill out a survey. It's it's like being able to watch them live on a website or in an app and find out like uh, there's a program out there called heat maps, like a heat map on a website. And you can tell where people are always going Yes, and wait, why are they going in the top right corner and clicking on that all the time? That's not where we want them to go. It's that kind of stuff. Um, Talk a little bit about what that's like. Cause to me, that's fascinating just from a user experience. Cause like, I was telling you in the break, like every time I'm on a website that's like painful or it's not intuitive, I'm just like, okay, yeah, they didn't really know they, they haven't really paid attention to the user experience here because it's just not, I can, I can grunt through it and get it figured out, but it's, it's not, it doesn't flow very well. It's not smooth. Yeah. So, you know, as you were saying, heat maps, heat maps is one of the methods There's many methods that a UX professional can use to uncover certain problems. So heat maps is basically, you know, having, you know, us, we as professionals will be looking behind the scenes on the back end and seeing where a person clicks, where their eye is, uh, we're tracking their, their eye tracking as well. There's one method as well. And based on that, we can gather that there's a large number of people looking at this particular um, area or clicking on this particular button mm-hmm. or et cetera. And we uh, would do that with a number of um, participants or even some people may not even know they're participating in one of our studies if it's um, embedded on our website, the heat mapping. Um, So it is really using psychology and observational um, skills, right? Mm -hmm. To understand human behavior, essentially. Um, And Prototyping is one of those things that um, we do as well. Um, prototyping is basically you build a prototype in um, in Vision or Sketch or Figma. Um, it looks like the real product, almost as real as possible. And then we do a testing session with real uh, users and have them walk through it to see how they react to it in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also may even ask some questions, but we don't give them the answers. We don't want to give them the answers because that would skew the results. Right. So um, all of it is essentially based on psychology. Um, and those are some of the methods that uh, we would use in research as well. Yeah, And sometimes it, it can be come down to, you know, the, the colors of certain uh, that are existent and whether, whether they blend well together or contrast with each other or the, the fonts on this font is difficult to read. That's why nobody's going there. And so you, yes. just changing yeah. fonts and things like that could be little tweaks and small things can make all the difference. Yeah. We call that accessibility design. Um, and there's a whole function in UX about accessibility um, and inclusive design. Um, definitely color psychology is something that is very important because um, some colors uh, really 
bring different moods out of users when they visit a website. So blue is common, green is positive. Uh, and what you were saying about um, different, we talk about accessibility, right? We basically make sure that, um, I just kind of lost my thought. What were you talking about? The buttons. <laughs> I want to get your point. You said about the buttons again. Yeah. Like, um, well, like uh, what I was saying was like certain colors blend well together or contrast with each other. Or if the font, if a certain font is hard to read or no one's clicking there because maybe it doesn't read well. Or like I, I, I see this all the time, like even in like billboards or a business sign out on a brick and mortar store, it's like, I'm like, st- like, what is the name of the company? I don't get it. Like it's written in a weird cursive or something. It's like, you should have really thought that through because you might look cool, but most people can't even read that. Like it just doesn't yeah. jump out at you. And it, um, sometimes it's those things. If people are not putting any effort into that, they, yeah, they, yeah. You know, something's going terribly wrong online and they don't even know why. Yeah. So I think that's, that, that's a great point because if um, users aren't able to read your content um, or design, then it doesn't make sense to use it because we're in the business of advocating for the user and, making sure that everything is easy to understand. So creating easier accessible experiences Mm -hmm. essentially. So um, yeah, I think it really helps to really understand about disabilities, especially veterans too, who may use products as well. You know, we have a lot of disabled veterans who use products and I think having UX professionals is important in these times as you think ahead in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So with, with all the, the experience you had over the years, um, working with a number of different companies, even very large, uh, corporations and stuff, at some point you decided to go out on your own. What was, what was your motivating factor for starting Corlini PR and what was the opportunity you saw? Um, why were you willing to give up, uh, some of the stable corporate jobs that you'd had and go out on your own? Yeah, sure. So at the height of the pandemic, as you know, um, I was one of those people who basically became inspired to start my own business. Um, I've been thinking about this for many years, and I think the pandemic really uh, pushed that idea. And I really thought, um, hey, how can I merge my experience in UX user experience in technology with my communications background as well in marketing, PR, social media. And I basically thought about starting my own technology public relations agency in tech PR. And I'm able now to help startups and tech companies with their communications Mm -hmm. and really breaking down technical language into easy to understand messages uh, before um, some products are launched in the market or even with existing products, how do we find tune those messaging so that our, the, the, uh, our clients, consumers, um, you know, they're able to understand the benefits of the product, um, the um, features of the product so that they can really build a, build an emotional connection with uh, these tech brands, especially. So really getting their, these tech brand stories in the media so that, you know, we can help attract their ideal target audience mm-hmm. to their product or their products. 
Yeah. And um, so you mentioned VME, uh, Veteran Media. Entertainment. Veteran Media Entertainment. Veterans, yeah. Yeah. So talk a little about with, you know, working with startups and, um, and, and on, other entrepreneurs with, with your experience level, like, um, what's it like working with somebody that's at the beginning of their business, especially veterans? Like when, you know, some, uh, sometimes we come out of the military and we're, we're like bright eyed and bushy tailed and we're like, I'm going to do this. Like, um, <laughs> how often are you dealing with folks where you're like, yeah, that's not going to work, dude. Or, <laughs> or let, let's work on some things here. Like, um, I'm not sure where I'm trying to go with this, but, uh, Years after being out of the military and being successful in in the corporate world, granted media and PR and social media and all that, what's it like going back and dealing with folks that are wanting to start their own business that were there where you were several years ago? Yeah, who want to start their own tech businesses, yeah. own tech products, right? Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. So one of actually one of my services that I um, uh, provide is tech advising, technology advising. So mm-hmm. the reason why. I wanted to offer that is because I realized that new startups may need ad- advice, you know, um, not just getting PR and the media, but tech advice, like some insight and maybe some an, an audit into their existing product or maybe a new product idea. So how about I use my UX background tech to really help them define their user needs. Mm-hmm. Really? Is this a good market fit? Have they really, thought about implementing the right um, features or is this product really serving a need in the market right now? Um, And there's many clients, tech clients who have amazing products. They already have everything defined. Um, The only thing they need right now is to get those messaging about their products in the media uh, and being, and have the stories told in a very clear way. Um, And I, it's basically how I actually help them basically. So having been an Amazon seller and created products and all that over the years, um, can you, there's a lot of people that are, are they're so in love with their product on one hand that they think it ought to just sell itself on the other. You deal with that a lot. Um, sorry, repeat a question. I didn't hear you. Like sometimes people, somebody might say my product or service is so great that it's just going to sell itself <laughs> versus, okay. What, what percent of success do you, th- can you define that? Like what percent of success is it's all about the product or it's all about the marketing and sales surrounding the product. Um, it's, it's two separate things, but they have to integrate with each other. Like no product's ever been invented. That's going to sell itself. Right. Mm-hmm but there's a lot of products that may have been mediocre that became successful only because of the marketing campaign surrounding it. So like, how do you find that balance between I got a great product, but I still have to have great marketing and sales surrounding it. I actually do think like a large percentage of that has to do with marketing. Um, just going back to market research and it's really important. Um, knowing your users, knowing the frustrations of your users, who your consumers are, where do they live, how old are they, um, 
what products do they use on the daily, whether whether their lifestyle habits or consumption habits. And that really gets you to really become laser focused on who you're going to launch to if you're building a product. Um, I think a lot of startups and people get really uh, starry-eyed or big-eyed thinking that they're going to have this disruptive product. Um, and really, they fail to really work on that pre-planning and everyone wants to be disruptive, but to be disruptive is to be innovative and do something new and different Mm -hmm. um, from competitors. Right. So this is like a term that's like, you know, I'm disruptive, you know, everyone wants to stand out, but they're not really doing the homework to stand out. Yeah. It's like in everybody, uh, Everybody always uses the uh, Uber example. This is going to be the Uber of the movie industry. This is going to be the Uber of this industry because everybody mm-hmm. understands how how Uber disrupted the taxi cab industry. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, well, in regards to veterans and uh, veteran community, um, somebody that's looking to get out of the military here soon, or they're already in their transition. Maybe didn't they like didn't like where they landed when they fir- when they first got out, looking towards entrepreneurship, starting their own business. What kind of advice do you have to the very community for those that are looking to get out and start their own business? I really want to tell veterans to find mentorship as soon as possible. As soon as you have an idea or you're you have an interest in a particular industry, mm-hmm. really find a mentor who has gone before you and who can really tell you their failures as well. But entrepreneurship comes with some pitfalls as well. And learning from past experience, others' past experiences really does help you to maybe avoid some of those mistakes that others has, have done in the past. And not only that, but you know they can teach you about your particular industry. Maybe you want to get into technology and build a tech company but you don't know where to start you don't know how to build a startup mm-hmm. uh, and finding those key mentors in every facet of your business or every phase of your business is important because they do help you to grow your business as well that mentorship it takes you in the right direction of where you need to go um, and i've had to do that with my business um, I had mentors, but also I had to also hire people who were smarter than me in particular areas to build certain areas of my business so I can function effectively, right? Or efficiently, I yeah. should say. Um, and that is a big key takeaway I want veterans to know. And also be, be have patience and never give up. You know, in the army, they said never give up, never quit, never accept defeat. And I think that is so important even when we get out as veterans to really remember that, um, that, that message. Absolutely. Well, Hey, Tiffany, uh, Coralini, Coralini PR, um, how do we find Coralini PR and, and what can Coralini PR do for, do for someone's business if they're looking to looking for some help? Yeah. So if anyone actually needs, um, to any help or have a question, you can shoot me an email at Tiffany at CorleniPR.com. Um, if you are a technology business or a technology entrepreneur startup, um, as someone who is interested in learning how to 
use tap PR for your business. I have a five step guide that teaches you how to um, increase your publicity and basically attract your ideal audiences to your tech brand. Mm-hmm. I have a guide that you can find on, at CorleanePR.com on my homepage website, and that will basically help guide you on your entrepreneurship journey. And yes, awesome. thank you so much, Joe, for having me. I really, really appreciate talking yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tiffany. Um, as always, great to talk to successful veterans out there in the entrepreneurial world. Um, you've done some great things. You got some great success behind you and even more out ahead of you. And we, we look forward to seeing your future success. Thank you. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.